So, good to see you. Please turn in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 12. While you're turning, you know, there's one thing about life that I've learned. And it's this. Everything changes, doesn't it? Everything is changing. There's nothing that's permanent other than our relationship with Christ. Terry and I were talking about it the other day. I said, even our relationship is temporary. It's until death. And, you know, it's everything's passing. Everything's changing. And so I got thinking about that. All the things that have changed since I've been alive. And I can't imagine some of the other stories that some of us could tell. Uh, When you think about how children play. You remember back in the day when we'd be outside and doing some parents say, go outside. <laughs> and you were outside until when? Does anybody remember what the, the street lights came Then the street lights come on. Then you got to come inside because dinner is ready about that time. And now children playing look like this. Right? We don't sell balls anymore. We sell them iPhones. And so children playing has changed. How we study has changed. Do you remember that big series of books that looked all the same on your shelf when you were a kid? Yes. They were not called Wikipedia. They were called Cyclopedia. And now we do it all online. We do all our research online. The uh, Cyclopedia Britannica man doesn't even knock on the door anymore. Because it's gone away. How many of you know, have heard the phrase, let your fingers do the walking? <laughs> yes. You know, man? You know, if you're here and you're um, in your 20s or below, how many of you in your 20s or below know what that phrase refers to? Thank you. That's my game. <laughs> let your fingers do the walking. You got it wrong. <laughs> Did you get it wrong? <laughs> That's a phone book. Remember the phone books? That was your high chair when you couldn't afford one when you were young, right? <laughs> That's what they were. They were to, yeah, well, there's, there's other uses for them. But, uh, so yeah, phone books, encyclopedias, internet. How you meet people. It used to be you actually had to talk to them, right? You had to go up and say, hello, my name is, and they would either, they would react positively or negatively. Now you just build a profile and say, who wants all this? <laughs> Right? Isn't that how it works? And so, things have changed. <laughs> That's terrible. I'm glad this isn't on video. Oh, it is. <laughs> In our mind's eye. <laughs> Don't poke out your mind's eye. <laughs> Alright. Um, wow, that's terrible. We've lost. We're even started. Uh, Alright, but listen, people... <laughs> things change. And as we look back, and that's what... Hebrews is about, it's about what has changed. What has changed? He's talking to the Jews, essentially, about how things have moved. And he's going to give them a picture of the law. He's going to give them a picture of grace. And then he's going to give them a picture of the kingdom. And he's going to show them how things, how how God's working has changed. And how they actually, it all fits together. None of it's different, but it's all different. So this is going to be a fun and exciting time this morning. And so we're going to begin in verse 18 and read through verse 29. 
<clears throat> For you have not come to a mountain that cannot that can be touched, and to a blazing fire, and to darkness and gloom and whirlwind, and to the blast of a trumpet, and the sound of words, which was which sound was such that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them. For they could bear the command, for they could not bear the command. If even a beast touches the mountain, it will be stoned. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I am full of fear and trembling. But you have come to, a, to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to the myriads of angels, and to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkling blood, which speaks better than the blood of Abel. See to it that none of you refuse him who is speaking. For if those did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less we escape who turn away from him who warns from heaven. And his voice shook the earth then, but now he has promised, saying, Yet once more will I will shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. This expression, yet once more, denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken, as of created things, so that those things which cannot be shaken may refrain. Therefore, since we have received a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude, by which we may offer to God an acceptable service, with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And Father, I pray as we wade through this this morning, I ask that you'll speak to us. But Father, we want to hear from your heart. And we want to know what you are saying here. And we pray all this thing, these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we begin with the past. He reminds them of the past here. <clears throat> he begins by telling them that they have not come to a mountain that can be touched. Which seems crazy. That doesn't make sense. What is he talking about? This is really a comparison of Mount Sinai and Mount Zion. Is what it comes down to. We'll get to Mount Zion. He says, this is a mountain that can't be touched. And even if the herds touch it, they're to be stoned. And so, they had put so much stock and so much faith in the law. And he says, you cannot touch it. You cannot do it. It's not by self-effort that this is accomplished. And so he's reminding them of their past because all their confidence was in these rules and regulations and I'm good enough and I'm smart enough and, and gosh, people like me because I'm like this. And it doesn't work that way. The law was never meant to make us righteous was never meant to make us righteous. Now I know that may seem foreign to some of you. It may seem foreign to think that, you know, keeping all of the, the jots and tittles of the law of God, that should make us righteous, right? Well, let me tell you something. 
if you could do that, let's assume for just a second you could do it. You could keep every bit of it. What kind of righteousness is that? That's self-righteousness. Because you did it. And the self-righteous will not stand before God. So that's why it was a failed theory. We took what God intended and we twisted it. Happens all the time. Happens all the time in our daily lives. As we walk and we take something that God intended for good. And we end up using it for evil. Or at least the enemy does. And sometimes we get sucked right into it. And so here, he's talking to them about Mount Sinai. They were to live under it, but they couldn't do it. They came to a mountain they couldn't touch. You know, have you ever noticed when you were a kid and your company was coming and everybody was cooking and your parents would say, well, don't touch that or don't have any of that because company's coming. Did you ever notice how bad you wanted it after they told you that? It's like the forbidden becomes the, the drive. And that's where I think that they fell into this. Well, wait a minute. Yes, we can. And then we're going to create all these things to make sure that we keep it. And they wrote all these additional laws to what God had said. See, there was no warmth in the, there was no warmth in the law. There was no compassion. There was no warmth to it. It, it, we're told it was a blazing fire, darkness, gloom, whirlwind, the blast of a trumpet. I almost looked around for a trumpet to just blow it as loud as I could blow it. Because if you, I mean, you, you guys have heard trumpets before. We hear them with the military. We hear them out on football. I mean, this is football season, right? That was pretty weak, man. Like, who said that? Was that you? Was that Morgan? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Says her mom. <laughs> but this is, I mean, they have trumpets out there playing. And if you've ever heard one that, that you would consider a blast, it's kind of piercing. It's like, mm, that's too much, right? And that's what this was. It was too much for them. Do you have any trumpet players in here? I got one. Oh. Trombone. So, yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I got two, two trumpet players. Cool. All right. All right, very good. So, it was the blast of a trumpet, the sound of words that overwhelmed. See, the law was taxing, not relieving. The law was taxing, not revealing. It wasn't meant to free them. It was meant to reveal to them that they weren't free. And that was the schoolmaster of the law. Look that word up. If you want to see some of the other verses on it, look up the word law and schoolmaster. And you'll see some of the verses that are associated with the law and what it was actually for. And so the law, in the law there was no grace. If a beast even touches the mountain, it was to be stoned. It was black and white. You touch it, you're dead. You don't, you live. There was no gray. There's no gray in it at all. Where are all my black and white people? Everything's black or white, right? There we go. Where's all the gray people? I'm running out of colors. Spoken <laughs> out colors. Yeah, the code of that. And so there's people who see things as black and white. It's right or wrong. It's this way or no. 
And then there's people that see that there are shades of gray in meaning. But the law doesn't leave any space for that. It's only black and white. You either did it or you didn't do it. You either achieved it or you didn't achieve it. And so that's why Jesus said, if you break one command, you've broken them all. Because you're a lawbreaker now. Once you're a lawbreaker, you fall into that category regardless of which law it is. And so it didn't produce closeness with God. It produced fear and trembling. Imagine, is that somebody you want to cuddle up with? If you do this, we're going to be okay. But if you don't, I'm on you. Oh, let me run to you. We don't like that. We like grace. How many of you have ever experienced grace from somebody? How many of you, it generated love because they were willing to be that? That's what grace does. That's what grace does. It moves us forward, but this is not what was going on here. He's reminding them of this because they had all their stock in that, so much so that when Jesus came through, they couldn't see him. And I think sometimes as Christians, we get our minds so wrapped around certain ideas that we missed how God is working around us. And I don't think God wants us to miss that. Wouldn't you agree with that? He doesn't want you to not see what he's up to. He wants you to participate, right? Right. He wants, not because he needs you, but because he wants to share that with you. That's the cool thing. And so here they were. And even Moses experienced it. He said he was full of fear and trembling. And here's a guy who stood in the presence of God and the finger of God wrote on tablets. He prayed and asked God to let him see him and he showed him his back and he had fear and trembling because of the law. And so he's making his case for that this is not going to provide you what you think it is. It's not going to provide it. It didn't provide closeness. The law was not a source for life. It actually increased sin. That's Romans 5.20. The law actually increased sin. Just think about it. I'll, I'll give you an example. I do not want you, anybody in here right now, to think about glazed donuts. <laughs> Or jelly-filled donuts, or cake donuts, or cinnamon rolls. How many of you just thought of cinnamon rolls and donuts? I told you not to do that. Why did you do that? Because it was in front of you, right? It increased. It makes us aware of our shortcomings. And so he's laying this argument down of the past. This is where you were. This is... All about Mount Sinai, the law, where the law was given. But then he goes and he makes an argument for the present. This is where we are today. We're not of the law, we're of grace. And have come to a different mountain, 
Mount Zion. And two, and he begins to unpack Mount Zion. He begins to unpack grace. He begins to unpack new life in Christ, if you will. Some of the benefits and some of the things that happen in our lives because of that, some of the benefits. He said, we've come to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. Well, we're not talking about Jerusalem and Israel. We're talking about the Jerusalem one day after the heavens and earth flee away and there's a new heaven and new earth and the new Jerusalem comes down from the clouds and we dwell with God there forever. That's where we've come to. He's talking about a heavenly destination. He's talking about being in the eternal presence of God. It's not about what you do to be accepted. It's about being with him. It's about a relationship. And so he lays that out for them. He says, we've come to myriads of angels. God's servants. Those who fight on our behalf. We've come to the general assembly. Which I really thought was interesting. How important is that here? You, when you read the words of the general assembly, you go, okay, the general assembly, the church, and you go, oh, that must be the church. It's not the church. You know what it is? The general assembly is all of those who've come to faith in Christ. Because there was faith in Christ before the church existed, right? Abraham, Isaac, do you all remember the one who walked with God and was no more it was the last chapter Enoch there was faith that took place before the church you know there is some false teaching out there today that says we've joined the house of Israel that is not true We are the church of the living God. The church of Jesus Christ. And anybody who has faith in him is a part of that. God's not done with Israel. Absolutely not. You read all the way through everything he's given us. They're still there. We're in a period of the bringing in of the Gentiles. And that's part of grace. I wonder if it'll sound like that when Jesus comes in the clouds. Louder. 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 I don't know. I'm hoping to hear it up close. (laughs) The married of the general assembly, all the saints, then the church of the firstborn. The firstborn was Jesus Christ. And we're a part of that body. He tells us we're enrolled in heaven. How many of you... uh, Remember enrolling for classes. Anybody ever have to do that? Enroll. Enroll for classes. When I started doing that, it wasn't all online. You had to go down. And there was a room. And you had to go get all your classes. And then it went online. And then you got to try to pick. And you had alternates. And you had all this thing. 
But you finally got the classes you needed, right? It was such a relief. We should have that same relief to know that we're enrolled in heaven. And you know what the ledger's called? It's called the Lamb's Book of Life. Thereby are we enrolled in heaven. How do we get enrolled? It's not by going online. It's by falling in line with Jesus Christ and the salvation that he has for you. And so we're enrolled in heaven. We're to the word. We've come to the God, to God, the judge of all. Boy, when we think about a judge, a lot of us think of judgment, don't we? Because of the word. But if something comes down in your favor, you love the judge, don't you? <laughs> That's a good judge. <laughs> Jesus met the requirements for you and me. And so when the enemy stands up and tells, says what a bad guy Mark is, Jesus stands up and says, oh, that's been paid for. He's good. And we're declared innocent because of the blood of Christ. We're called into the spirits of the righteous who are made perfect. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting how that plays out? The spirits of the righteous made perfect. Let me ask you, when you were saved, I mean, who, uh, who are you? I was going to say, who is you? Who are you? Who is you? Who are you? Don't try that in school. <laughs> My pastor said on Sunday. Who are you? And don't do that voice either. Then you're talking to your teacher. Who are you? Does the Bible say, let's go through this for just a minute so we can understand who that is. The Bible says we come to Christ and, he, and we put our faith and trust in Him. We're a brand new creation in Christ, right? Didn't it say that? Yes. Your Bible said that? Then behold, all things become new. All things pass away and all things become new. So what's he talking about? Is he talking about every single thing? He's talking about every single thing that relies, that goes with your salvation. Because when I was saved, I didn't get a new body then. We get that one day, right? Because this body makes sounds. We stand up and it pops and it cracks and, and the, your head hurts for no reason one day. You ever had that? You're like, wake up and you're like, what happened? You're like, oh, what is this? And they're getting older. I used to have blonde hair. It's, I think it's just getting blonder. But somebody told me it was gray the other day. It's changing the body. It's not a new body. If we have to be renewed in our mind, then our soul isn't new. So if all things become new, what became new? Our spirit became new. The old man is gone. And we're new in Christ. Because that is who we are. 
So when he says here, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. Our spirits are from the one who's righteous and they're perfect. He's given them to us. That's where your righteousness, we're imputed with his righteousness, ladies and gentlemen. Not our own, not by what we do, not by your own strength. And I'm not preaching to you, you'll live however you want. Because if you're in love with Jesus, you can't do that. So if you think that's what I'm saying, that's not accurate. We walk based upon what he did in us. We're also called to Jesus, the new media, the mediator of the new covenant. And there's your grace. Talks about the new covenant. He's telling them because they are holding on to this other. It gives them some solace to think that they can control their future and they're unwilling to surrender. And that is the same case that we have today before mankind. Are you willing to lay down self-effort? Uh, what you're trying to do to be acceptable to God and say, by grace, I put my faith in you and I trust you to save me. That's where salvation, that's where salvation happens in the moment. And so he was dealing with the very heart of things here for the Jews. And he even goes to the sprinkled blood, which speaks better than the blood of Abel. See, Abel's sacrifice that God accepted only covered sin. Covered it. Jesus' blood removed it. Anybody ever get splinters other than me? You get them? Yeah. Anybody ever had a metal splinter? Yeah. Woo! <laughs> the wood ones are bad, but the metal ones are really bad. I actually had a friend who got a, a metal splinter in his eye. And I had a, actually had a paper cut on my cornea once. Yeah, that's an interesting story. Yeah, this is not the, the part of the service where I try to creep you out. I'm just saying. But when you get a splinter, what do you do? Do you get it out or do you just put a band-aid over it? You get it out, you clean it and all that, put a band-aid over it. You know, I had a, I had a, uh, a counselor who was a really good friend of mine. And he used to, he, he, he would ask me questions all the time. And I hated it and I loved it. <laughs> he said, he asked me the question, he said, so, how many of you ever heard the phrase, time heals all wounds? You ever heard that? Yes. He asked me that, he said, so, you've heard the phrase, does time heal all wounds? And he said, do you believe that? And I always, every time he did, I was like, Maybe. <laughs> And I, you got to pick a position because he wouldn't let you hedge. And he said, let me tell you, time does not heal all, clean, all wounds. Time heals all clean wounds. A dirty wound over time gets worse and infected. And so don't believe that time heals all wounds. There's people who are carrying wounds from 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago that are worse today. It's not a true statement. It's like the old sticks and stones that break your bones, but names will never hurt you. That's a big lie. People have been called things and they've fashioned their life over the things they were called. Instead of, then when they tell them something positive about their life. Isn't that funny? We dismiss that 
If somebody says, you know, you're really good at that. We go, oh, you know that. But if somebody says something to us that's negative, we go, how can it be like that? That's when we evaluate it. We go, isn't it funny how we accept the negative but not the positive? You know what I, what I realized one day about that? We accept the things we agree with. The problem is we sit around and the enemy seeds our mind with this stuff and we accept it. And then when somebody says, he'll send somebody to say it and that reaffirms it. Instead of taking what God's word says and applying that to our life. Listen, we have an enemy, ladies and gentlemen. We have an enemy who's working against us. Know this. <laughs> no amount of self-effort is going to get you there. It's only by the blood of Jesus Christ do we have freedom and life and victory and hope in a place in heaven one day. And so we've discovered grace and because of it we experience this life. And so then he goes and talks about the future. He talks about the kingdom of God and our hope that we have one day. In the last four verses and he says some significant things here. And I'm just going to give you some snippets from this. We are saved unto a relationship that will one day be visible. We're going to be in his very presence. We're saved unto a relationship. We're not saved into fire insurance. We're not saved just so we can get out of hell. We're saved unto a relationship. Not for just then, but for now. Your, your salvation is now. And the, and the stuff that you can be experiencing between you and God is now. We don't think that because we ask about people when they die, right? If you were to die today, you know we'd spend eternity. We talk about salvation as something that goes with death. Salvation is something that overcomes death. It's life now. It's victory now. Living in the moment now. Not one day. Not surviving. Not hopefully not being a distraction. But being who God created you to be. With the spirit of God flowing in you and through you. And touching you. And letting other people see him. And touching them too. Tom and I continued our conversation from class out of the foyer about does God work in you or through you or is it both? So I told them I may have to revise my opinion. We're working on that one. It's a good question. And so we're saved unto a relationship, folks. So pay attention when God speaks. Listen. <laughs> Whatever God says is going to happen. If God told... What has God said that has not happened? That the passage of time says that it should have already happened. There's things in the future that haven't happened. There's prophecy that hasn't happened yet. Because it's not time yet. The walls of Jerusalem have been torn down. Right? That happened. 
The city was set on fire. It was a city of rock. It was still set on fire. It happened. You know, Deuteronomy 18 says anything that a prophet says and speaks for God, everything 100% has to come true if they're truly from God. And I won't tell you the rest of it if they're not. That's kind of a rough ride. But here's the thing. If God says it, it's going to happen. We ought to listen. Right? That's why it's important, parents, if you tell your kids that if you do that one more time, this is what's going to happen. It needs to happen. I know. See? <laughs> Thank you, Stephen. And you pinch the other leg in just a second. <laughs> I was talking to the other Stephen. <laughs> and so, <laughs> when he speaks, all of creation shakes and is removed, so the unshakable will remain. <laughs> See, that's why he speaks to us, folks to remove the shakable and keep the unshakable. There's things in us that we are, we, you know, I think it's important that we approach things teachably. Amen? Mm -hmm. But there are things in me, there are things that I know from Scripture that aren't going to ever go away from me, no matter how much somebody talks to me. Jesus being God. Nobody can talk me out of that. That's not happening. I'll die or leave before I'll give that one up. There's other things that we can talk about. Does Jesus work in you through you or both? That's a good one. So the reason he talks to us is to strip out these things that we have confidence in that aren't from him. And it's so easy to get something in your mind that makes sense, that you follow, that for so long this has worked. And it's the ways of the world and not the ways of God. Because if we're going to participate in his kingdom, we participate, because see, his kingdom's going on right now, isn't it? How many of you, let me ask this question, because I used to sit there and I was really confused by this and so I can't be the only one maybe I was when we talk about the kingdom of God does that seem like it's some mystery thing that, that you can't really nail down to anybody but me was that just me is there anybody here uh, apparently it's just me alright well I'm going to share the definition anyway in case somebody didn't feel like raising their hand this morning the kingdom of God is what God is up to right now around us with our friends and us and the people that we talk to and the people we bump into in the store, the people that says hello. God is at work in all their lives right now. And being able to see that Is participating in the kingdom of God. 
And if we're not sensitive to those things, we go through life thinking God's not doing anything. And we want to blame God for our inability to see what he's up to. And it's because we're holding on to things that are shakable instead of unshakable. And we want to blame everybody. We want to blame God. Let me tell you whose fault it is. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whose fault it is. But it matters that we remove the obstacles. We know it's not God's fault. You don't have to be good at math to do the rest. And so, so share some gratitude, folks. Share some gratitude for what God's done for you. You know, an offering to God, this is showing gratitude. Or walking around with a thankful attitude is an offering that's acceptable with reverence and awe. I want you to think for just a moment. The God of the universe who spoke light into existence said, I want you. That ought to generate some reverence and awe. And he said, I know you can't do it. So I'm going to do it for you. But I'm going to leave the decision up to you after I've done all this. How could we not? How could we not run to him? Well, nobody understands what I'm going through. I'm all alone. Yes, he does. And you know what? There's other people around you that understand it too. What you don't know what the subject is, doesn't matter what the subject is. The idea that you're alone violates scripture. And so if the enemy is telling you that, or if you think that, it violates scripture. It's not from God. I'm isolated. I'm alone. That's what the enemy does. Tries to, that's that's how a lion eats. He calls the sheep. He gets them alone. He kills them. We act different when we don't think we're alone, do we? It changes. And so we ought to live lives of gratitude, serving out of joy. That's our service. And so how does this break out for us in everyday life? As we look at the past, present, future... We learn, if we're a Christian, the law is in our past. It was meant to reveal your sin so you could realize you need a Savior. Trying to live by it today is an exercise in futility. The law was never meant to bring life. And I will, I will take the responsibility in place of the church. The church has done it to, the, to Christians. I call it grace law. We have this list that God gave of thou shalt nots. Then people get saved and we go, thou shalt. And here it is. Thou shalt read your Bible every day. Thou shalt pray to God every day. And then when you don't, anybody here ever missed a day of praying to God? 
You don't have to raise your hand. I have. You feel bad, right? Oh, I'm just not a good Christian. Isn't that the word you hear? Not a good Christian. <laughs> Praying to God doesn't make us a good Christian. We're perfect in His sight. Now, if that's how God sees you, isn't praying tomorrow easier? I don't have to come with fear and trembling. I come with confidence and joy because He loves me beyond what I can even ever comprehend. And so, if I'm a Christian, the law has done its job. It's done its job. We can learn stuff there. We can educate ourselves. It's the Word of God. We need to know it. Because other people are wrestling with it. But it's done its job. It's in our past. If you're a Christian, the new covenant is your present. We get the opportunity to engage Him because He overcame sin for us. We need to realize, we need to realize who we are and where we stand and engage in the conversation because of the joy of God and pay attention to the things around us. Because God is at work. God is at work. And if you're being used, I guarantee you one thing, the enemy's going to ramp up his attack on you. I'm seeing it. I watched, as soon as we launched this class, I should, you know what, Stephen? I should have known it was coming. As soon as we launched the Exchange Life class. Because that sets people free from all this other stuff. It's a great class. If you've never been through it, you're the son of We live in defeat instead of the... Can you imagine... <laughs> How many of y'all saw the Michigan game yesterday? Anybody hear about the Michigan game? Double overtime, Michigan wins over Army. Did you see, I saw some video clips at the end of it. They were jumping and cheering. Can you imagine Michigan going off like this? That's what we look like, though. We have ultimate victory. Why do we walk that way? Because we believe we don't. You're already victorious. Listen, pay attention. He's up to stuff. If you're a Christian, then one day you'll go to you'll go to heaven and live in the absence of sin. What a gift, man. I can't wait. I'm ready. I'm ready. We need to get a semi out there. <laughs> I'm ready. You know, I don't know if you guys have watched this, but I, the more and more I watch where this world is headed, I'm glad I'm the age I am. <laughs> I don't know that I could, I could stand much more of this. We can't even talk to people anymore and come to some kind of resolution and stuff. It's just fight, 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 and name call. It's like we're going back down into elementary isn't that what elementary kids do? Well, sorry, not these kids. These kids are these kids are awesome. They really are awesome. Get to know them. Pour your life into them. Because you know what? 
They're not the church of tomorrow. They're the church of today. If they're a Christian, they need to be serving. What a gift. So our service then becomes the result instead of something for us to do to become godly. We live in gratitude. That's why we serve, folks. Not because we want to become something, but because we are something. And so, there was, uh, where's all my military folks? I got some military in here. A few of you. There was this tea. They were having a tea for officers and their families. And, you know, everybody was seated randomly. And so they were all sitting down. And uh, this lieutenant is there. And the, the general gets up to speak. And this lieutenant's there. And he's grumbling to the woman sitting next to him. And said, what a pompous, unbearable windbag this guy is. She tells him about the, the general that's speaking. Well, what he didn't realize is, you know, as he was sharing this, she says to him, she says, her face turned red. She said, do you know who I am? And he said, no. And he said, she said to him, she said, that's my husband up there. And uh, he takes just a moment, pauses, and he said, ma'am, do you know who I am? And she, she, she said, no. And he said, good, and he got up and left. <laughs> <laughs> That's a thinker. <laughs> That's a thinker. The moral of the story is, we ought to know who God is. We ought to know who God is. Really, who He is. Because He knows who we are. And not miss out on the relationship He's died to give us with Him. He didn't just die to rescue you. He died to, to have you. And to be, and let me tell you something. I don't care how old you are. You can make a difference for God. You absolutely can. Nine-year-old boy was making a difference for God, doing mission work, and he actually gave his life for the Lord. doesn't matter how old you are. We go, well, I'm too old, I'm too this, I'm too that, I'm too ingrained, I'm too this. Young people, God can use you, and He will if you're willing. Pay attention to me. I'm telling you. There were kids in my school that I go back and read stuff they wrote in my yearbooks that were sharing godly principles with me. And they were sharing it for His glory. They annoyed me. But God was using them in my because I didn't want none of that then. Do you want me to be honest with you? But you know what? They were taking a stand for Christ then. I thank God. I'd love to contact some of them and tell them what God has done. And so let's not miss our opportunities. Let's not miss it. Let's not miss it. Let's not look back. Let's look forward. Let's look up. Pay attention. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their head and close their eyes.